right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. that. You don't got time that. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome in to another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I am Derek Johnson here for RCST. And on today's show, we have plenty of KU football talk. The Chiefs with a impressive victory yesterday. Another edition of Case of the Mondays. And we've got some KU men's basketball audio, KU football audio to get to as well. NFL Sundays are only getting better, and so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Uh, right now, you can get an early line on Kansas, Texas. Jayhawks on senior day getting nine points in that game, which is going to kick off at 2.30, by the way. Um, So exciting that it's not a morning game, especially with the weather cooling off. Uh, We have some cool news, by the way. Uh, We didn't have our pregame show out at Big Mill a couple weeks ago for the uh, Oklahoma State game. Reason why, a car crashed into Big Mill. But fortunately, the, I guess, hole has been sort of patched up and deemed okay and everything that that they're back open for business you can go out to big mill and we're going to be back out there this saturday before the ku texas game from noon to two o'clock you can spin our prize wheel win some t-shirts koozies uh we might have some ku basketball tickets so you're going to want to come by and you can get the line at ku plus uh nine points for that one also ku right now giving up one point they opened up getting a point against duke the line going their way you can get some player props on that one as well at DraftKings. download the DraftKings sportsbook app now use promo code klwn and place a five dollar pregame money line bet to get two hundred dollars in free bets if your team wins only at DraftKings sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the nfl with code klwn gambling problem getting help is your best bet call 800-522-4700 21 older physically present in kansas bonus issued is free bets one boost for eligible game opt-in required 10 plus leg required for 100 boost deposit parlay and wagering restrictions apply eligibility and terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms they're huge news okay huge news are you dating pete huge davidson news. seems like no oh he's i am okay. not but no that's that not would have been huge news, news. no so he's making the actually, rounds i don't actually <coughs> have any relation to pete davidson uh no the actual huge news is this so the Olympics, and they have a mascot. The Olympics have like an official mascot since every when? Olympics. Always, I okay. Guess. This is news to me. Anyways, today the the mascot for the Paris twenty twenty four Summer Olympics was announced. Can you guess what it is? Uh, is it an Eiffel Tower? It's not an Eiffel Tower. Is it a bottle of wine? No, I, I'm gonna mispronounce it. I think I'm. I'm pretty Am sure. I close at all. Um. Not really. It is. Is it Mona the, Lisa? I, I believe it's pronounced free, freezing cap. The, the, There's no way this is how it's pronounced. <laughs> uh, well, I'm looking at the story. It's uh, it's the P H R 
Y G I A N cap. A soft frige. A soft. I don't know if that's generally red hat. Uh, that is associated with the French Revolution. Primarily. Oh, oh yeah, it's like anyways, the uh, Napoleon hat. Yes, exactly. Yes. Anyways, uh, they introduced it, and the I can't. I wish I could. Obviously, it's a radio show. I can't show you the pictures, but just, I mean, I'm gonna show the picture to you, Derek. Yeah, but, just envision the, like the, a Napoleon hat, but, but like it's red. got eyes, and it's got yeah, like the people walking around, kind of like a triangle. It's like a they've a got awkward. like googly eyes. It's mm-hmm. but yeah, it looks like a giant red triangle with googly eyes on it. So that is the official mascot of the 2024 mm. Paris Olympic Games. Huge okay. News. Huge news. Huge news. I'm giving that one like a 2.5 out of 10. What? You didn't even know. Okay, hold on. You didn't even know there was a mascot. So that's got to be huge news to you. You didn't even know. Uh, Yeah, yeah I know. But like, so how I, is I'm that not acknowledging news? that it's news. You know, if it's if it's below a one, that's basically means it's not news. So I gave it above a one. It is news. I didn't know about it. It is new to me. Yeah, so it's, it's not huge, huge news. No, it's a 2.5. Uh, okay, wow. KU falls to Texas Tech, 43 to 28 to listeners of the on show. Saturday. You know, that was a game where I, I know Lance Leipold said today, like, you know, they got outplayed and all this stuff. I, I, yeah, I had I I just simply disagree with that. Yeah, I, mean, I kind of do can, as well. He can say that, I guess. No, I do understand. From the coach's standpoint, he probably views it as, like, we made all these mistakes and they didn't. And from a coach's perspective, that is yeah. kind of how you judge like how your team played or, or did the better team win or whatnot. But okay, yeah, I, I honestly, because I, I'm with you, I, I watched that game and, you know, even watching back. He was the better team. About, I think, I, I agree. I think if you play that game, you know, 10 times over or however many times, like I think Kansas is coming out on top more times than not. Yes. Obviously it being in Lubbock and not on a neutral field or not at home, like that impacts things. But also, like, KU did a lot of things just better than Texas. And if I would have told you coming into the game, that Kansas was going to have over 500 yards of offense. Yep. That they were going to run for like eight yards a carry. Yep. That um, Lawrence Arnold was going to have like over 100 yards. That Jared Casey was going to have like a 70 yard touchdown. <laughs> that they were going to have three plays of, I believe, over 60 yards in the game. If I would have told you all those things would have happened, you would have been like, okay, Kansas won. And, yes. and you might have even thought that Kansas was going to win by double digits if I told you all of those things. And all that stuff did happen, but you didn't win the game. And, in fact, you lost by two scores. Now, obviously, the game was closer than I think the final score indicates uh, because KU had a chance there at the end. And had you made some field goals, it, it does end up, obviously, closer on on the scoreboard. It's kind of odd, though, because that's that's probably the first time that we can definitively say that this season. Like, even in the games that you've lost before, the first three games that you lost to uh, TCU – you probably could make the argument that Kansas was just as good as TCU. But they weren't better. No, they weren't better. Like, you could say, okay, well, if they didn't have the goal line fumble, then maybe it's a tie game, right? Maybe you go to overtime. But, yes, you wouldn't definitively say, like, oh, okay, you outplayed TCU. You definitely wouldn't say it about yep. Oklahoma. No, nope. and definitely um, not Baylor. Definitely just not Just because of the first half. Yeah, exactly. That was the first time this season. So, I, I guess we can view this one of two ways. Like, you can take the glass half-full approach and say, Great. well, yeah, great. Kansas outplayed another Big 12 opponent. Like, every time we get more data that this team is super competitive and can do that stuff, that's a positive step in the right direction. But I also wonder if now that you have broken the lid of the bowl game, so to speak, and you're trying to take the program to the next level, whatever that level is. If if that's what you're trying to do, these are games you need to win. Yes, exactly. Games where you are better than the opponent. Because Tech is not a good team, I don't think. No, I don't either. 
I mean, uh, they're they're good. No, I mean, they're not a bad team. No, they're not. I mean, they're five and one at home. They're really good at home. They, they I mean, beat they're, Texas they're exactly this year, right? how we've described them to be, which is yeah. a team that can beat anybody or lose to anybody. But I think that's exciting for Kansas because the way that I view Texas Tech is a five or six win team, right? Yeah, they're a possible bowl team. And if we're sitting here saying, I know, again, like Kansas just lost to Texas Tech, so this isn't like some sweeping conclusion that like, oh, everything <laughs> is great, and like they're this dominant team. But the point is. If you view that game in a vacuum and say, yeah, I kind of think Kansas was better, they just made too many mistakes, and you feel like they are better pretty well off than a team who should be a bowl team. Then you feel pretty good. Then Yeah, exactly. You feel very good about where this program is. But yeah, too many mistakes. You had the two missed field goals. Um, you had 10 penalties. That was actually the most of the Lance Leipold era. Um, bad, bad interception. Yeah, that was a tough one. Gave Tech free three, a free three points. It did. And... and Yes, should it have been an interception? Probably not. No, but like no, it actually was not an interception. Yeah, but also it was bad. Maybe don't throw into triple coverage where the guy is in front of the receiver. You know, I. Hmm. So again, it was a bad call. Much to um, think about there. You have the that whole really end of the first half with the interception. Yeah, that was wild. The, you getting kind of screwed with the call in not a coming bad away. Way. Yeah, in a bad. Yeah, way. and then you you go into man to man defense for some reason and give up like a forty yard pass. And then you you ice him on the first kick. He yeah. misses it, and then he makes the second one from fifty one yards. Yeah, going back to the penalty stuff, uh, I think we talked about this maybe af maybe after the TCU game, but uh, it is curious to me because for all of the areas that Kansas has made massive improvements in this season, just really on both sides of the ball in terms of their competitiveness and everything, one area where they've taken several steps backward is is discipline and particularly penalties, mm -hmm. which is just. Surprising for a Lance Leipold coach team, right? That's not something you'd think that would be the case, but it has been this year. I mean, last year Kansas was fifth in the country in penalties per game, uh, under four and a half penalties per game, or right around four and a half penalties per game. This year they are 42nd, right? Which 42nd, you wouldn't think is like a significant drop off, or you, you wouldn't think 42nd is inherently bad, but when you go from fifth to 42nd, mm. and, it, and it's hurting you now in multiple games that you've lost. It's it, it's it's something that I have a hard time explaining away, I guess, as to why that area they've taken steps backwards. Yeah. No, I feel the same way because, you know, typically— I mean, what does Lance Leipold preach every week? Right. Discipline. Right. And, so, and why, so then why is that an issue? Yeah. So it's like when you have a good coaching staff, you, you figure that this stuff isn't going to happen, and KU does have a good coaching staff. And then also you have the added part of what you said where, like, it's not just their good coaching staff. They, they preach this stuff. So, like, why is it not hitting home? I wonder if it has something to do with the fact that maybe you just have all these – maybe this is where, like, having all these transfers coming in to where – That aspect suffers? Well, it's just it's just well, when you have all these players coming in, they're not in the system for as long. Maybe well, that, that preaching doesn't hit home as hard. I, okay. I don't know. But I don't then know. But then you've just got sloppiness, like, against Texas Tech, where Lonnie Phelps just lines up offsides yeah. twice. Twice. Yeah, it's it's weird that it's happening. Um, I don't want to like point the finger, but <clears throat> and, I, and again, I mean, like, I, I don't want to be like, well, this is a disaster. Like, no, it's so bad. No. Like, forty second in the country in penalties. Like, that's not right. that bad. And if and if you actually look at the numbers, when they were fifth in the country in penalties last season, like I said, it was around four and a half penalties per game they were averaging. They're forty second in the country this year, and they're averaging, I think, five point six, five point seven penalties per game. So you're talking about one more penalty per game. That's moved them all the way down to 40 seconds. So it's not like it's they're suddenly averaging eight penalties a game compared mm -hmm. to where they were last year. But 
it, it is still something where you look at it and it's just kind of puzzling when you consider how much Kansas has improved in so many different areas from last season to this season under Lance Leipold. And yet the one area where you would figure they would be the best at, knowing Lance Leipold and knowing the coaching staff, and like you said, they we know they're a good staff, that they this year have had games where they've had more penalties that have hurt them. Yeah, and so that was kind of a, a bad theme in that game for KU. Um, also, and this is something else that, that that's just kind of weird, um, Kansas set themselves up in, in some decent, like third and medium, third and six, third and even long, third and eights or whatever against Tech, and they just couldn't get off the field defensively. You know, um, when you look at the defense in that game, like, that's where a lot of the issues surmise from. Like, they actually had a good amount of times where they, they stopped Texas Tech well enough on first and second down, but they just got all these third and longs. And then, I, I don't know if that's just like a, you know, a scheme thing or messing up certain player or, or whatever. Like, KU really struggled tackling the foot. They had 21 missed tackles in the game. Tyler Shuck, any time that he, like, took off, it felt like he broke, like, three or four tackles yeah, and couldn't and bring him down not for a, a sack. He's not a scrambling guy. Generally mm-hmm. speaking. No, and that's the thing. And, and, like, you look at some of the pressure, like, okay, you, you know, not finding a ton of, like, sack numbers or anything like that. That very easily could have been switched if they make a couple sacks in the backfield on plays where they maybe did have him and he just got away. Uh, you couldn't stop the run. Big reason why was Tyler yeah. Shuck. And, and, again, you didn't have a good tackling game. It was a bad game for the run defense. So, uh, you know, Trending up for the first five games, struggling for the next three, good against Oklahoma State, now bad in this one. I, yeah, and I think you and I probably you probably agree that this we were surprised that they struggled in this game against Texas Tech, considering yes. you're facing an offense that had pretty much the exact same rushing numbers as last week against Oklahoma State. Now, obviously, I understand probably a team having a third-string quarterback maybe affects what they're trying to do more versus what Texas Tech was working with, but still... I think we both expected Kansas to hold their own in the run game uh, against Texas Tech, and and they they really did struggle. I mean, especially early in the game. Early in the game, Texas Tech was getting pretty big chunk plays on the ground pretty consistently. Yeah, and and then and then you couple that with Tyler Shuck scrambling around and making guys miss in the open field. It was it was a tough running game. And I yeah, I wonder I wonder how much I should just chalk up to Tyler Shuck going off on the running game. I don't think you should check it up too much because uh, Taj Brooks, the other running back, yards. he had he was averaging six yards a carry. So Roger Thompson had a forty yeah. yard touchdown run. Like it wasn't it wasn't just Shuck that was doing well on the ground, scrambling wise. They 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 were running it well also with their running backs. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, third down was just kind of a problem. Really, I don't know a, a couple ends of the field. There were there were a couple times that in that game that KU seemed like they kind of settled for a field goal. Um, like you had the the I think the first third down that you, that you missed the field goal on it was like third and twelve or something didn't you run like an option play or uh, yeah which by the way speaking of the option plays yes if Jason Beanie's your quarterback don't run the option <laughs> it doesn't work it's it doesn't work it does not work at all period I don't think Jason Bean made the correct read on one option play the whole game the entire game okay and I like Jason Bean he's I think he's great but the guy like I mean. It's just so tough because Jalen Daniels is like part of his running style is is his vision. Like that's what's always talked about with how good he is as a runner, right? Whereas Jason Bean, it's more of just his open field speed and whatnot. Well, you need vision to run the read option, and we've seen that time and time again. Jason Bean struggles to run the read option. He just he just does. Just it's that's just how it is. It's not a it, it's not a negative. It's not a it's just 
It is what it is. He's just not effective running the option. And it didn't work. Every, I mean, I think the, the only play that I can recall that the option got positive yards was it was a triple option, and he pitched it to Devin Neal, and Devin Neal had to break like six tackles to get 10 yards. Mm-hmm. Every other play, the option did not work. Do you think they win that game with Jalen Daniels at quarterback? Mm, maybe. I think they probably, yes. I don't know. Maybe. Yes. <laughs> I think decisive. so. I think they might. Yeah. I think they do to the point on the option. Although, but Bean, Bean had a good game. I yeah, mean, I thought did. Jason Bean had a good game. No, once again, I, I like every week we say that Jason Bean played well, statistically, great game, all these things, and yet there is still just that extra level of processing, the difference in the option game, the difference in, you know, there are a couple times where maybe Jason well, Bean, Bean gets locked some, in on yeah, one he target, just, right? Sometimes, you know, like we talked about, he just slings it. Mm-hmm. He just slings it. And sometimes KU's receivers go up and make yes. a big play, and yes. it doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, but listen, to that point, I think Jason Bean's touchdown pass to to Quentin Skinner in the fourth quarter, that was the greatest pass of the whole <laughs> that season. unbelievable, yeah. The whole season no, that, by either Bean or Jalen Daniels. Everything in that game was exactly what we've talked about the past few weeks, that Jason Bean's ceiling can be just as high as Jalen Daniels. But there are more floor plays like the interception and a triple coverage uh, like the, you know, maybe holding the ball a little bit too long or um, plays where maybe he runs out of bounds for a three-yard loss instead of just throwing it away. Like, there are more of those plays with Jason Mean than there are for Jalen Daniels. Well, but again, big picture, he's your backup quarterback, and he's played excellent what, football, and he gave you a chance at least to win that game. What I don't understand with the option stuff is, like, I mean, I, I, if you're Andy Cole, Nicky, like, you have to see it. Like, you have to see, like, wow, these plays that were effective with Jalen Daniels are not effective with Jason Bean. So stop calling them. Like, just, 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 okay. Like, that's a part of the offense we're unable to use as effectively with Jason Bean. So stop doing it. I just, I, I wonder if the idea is maybe the more reps we get him, he can understand. I don't, I don't know. Um, I do think that the good news with Jason or, or Jalen Daniels, you know, suiting up and seemed like he could have came in in an emergency in that game against Texas Tech makes you feel like he'll for sure be back by the bowl game, but that, He'll probably be back for one of the last two regular season games. Who knows about this Saturday or if it would be for the K-State game, but uh, that's probably a good sign one way or another. I, I, I'm i hesitant to put too much blame there because there there was a bit of stalling on the Jason Bean side and the offense in the second half. But again, if you you know make your field goals that you're supposed to make – yeah. If you make the fielders you're supposed to make, KU's a different game. up in the game. Right. Um, yeah, I, I thought Jason Bean had a great game. I mean, besides the interception and besides the inability to run the option, I thought he had a great game. Mm-hmm. And it's reflected in the stats. 270 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, yeah, he had a good game. Well, we got to see Ethan Vasco, too, for the first time, who we'd heard a lot about and had heard good things about as a true freshman for KU. And you can play him the last four games and still redshirt him. So he came in at the end after Jason Bean took a, a hard hit and – uh, that kept being out for the rest of the game, and I'll be honest, Vasco looked good too. Now he did. He there was, was fine. There was one play he ran into a sack. Dude, that was so <laughs> bad. That was so bad. The guy, I, I don't know if he thought he was Mahomes and could just run backwards forever and still throw <laughs> it, but like this dude's got a perfectly clean pocket yeah. directly in front of him to step up learn. into. He's a true freshman, and he just backs up. He's a back. true freshman. I I was impressed overall. The circumstances. Yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think you can really extrapolate too much one way or the other from what we saw from him. No, say but, like, oh, he's going to struggle or, oh, he's going to be 
the next Jalen Daniels. But I think it backed up everything we've heard, and I, I, I'm not saying that, you know, hey, Ethan Vasco should start this week. <laughs> I'm just saying there's a good chance that this offseason, one of Jason Bean or Jalen Daniels, I'd imagine if Jalen comes back and is your starter, Jason Bean, would transfer somewhere else because they want to be a starter You don't know else. for sure, though. I know, not for sure. You never know the the truth of, of what a player wants and if they're content in what situation. But if that does happen, that means that you're going to need a different backup quarterback. And obviously we've seen the value of having a good backup quarterback with Jason Bean this year and that you won a game and, and even though you didn't beat Texas Tech, like he did keep you in it in a lot of ways. You need to have that good backup quarterback over the course of the season. And I feel confident that Ethan Vasco will be that for you in the next couple of years. And then, you know, by the time you get to three years from now, like, He's grown even more, and then maybe he's a really good starter. So I, I think you feel really good about the quarterback position, and even though the game didn't go your way, um, it was nice to see kind of the flashes there. Offense, it's it's weird that they only scored 28 points, to be yeah. completely honest, when you look at the stats of over 500 yards. And, and again, they, they had the turnovers with the fumble and the interception at the end of the half. They had two missed field goals. Yeah, but... And that's the difference there. Because, like, if you said, oh, you had over 500 yards, you had two turnovers, it's not like that's, like, five where it would, like, completely limit you. But then when you, if you consider the missed field goal like a turnover, which it basically is, it is basically a stopping play that prevents you from scoring points, then it's like you had four turnovers. And um, I know that the game at, at 43 to 24, if you add two field goals, you're still losing by two possessions. It changes the way the game goes. It really does. And especially the way that, if they make the the first field goal specifically, um, I don't know. Maybe the end of drive uh, of the first half was was probably the biggest difference as well. The two missed field goals in that because it's yeah. if it's not just the two missed field goals where you're a minus six there, but at the end of the first half drive where you do throw the interception and then you kind of get screwed over with them not uh, reversing the call. Let's not forget Kansas was kind of mismanaging the time a little bit there. And then you made the bad pass to get it there. But if Kansas even gets a field goal at the end of that drive, and now Texas Tech doesn't have time to get their field goal, that's another six-point swing. Now you have a 12-point swing going your way. And who knows, maybe you get a touchdown at the end of half. Or something. It's a completely different game in that situation. So, again, a game that Kansas probably in certain ways feels like they outplayed Texas Tech. And you can make the case that Kansas is still the better team than Texas Tech, but fell short, which is... Certainly a weird dichotomy to be in that we haven't been in in a while for uh, KU football. But overall, still a positive. Uh, they continue the trend of playing every team better this year than they played last year. Like, last year you got blown out by Tech. This year, again, you could argue Kansas was the better team. You still have opportunities in front of you. You're still going bowling, and that's the most important thing. Devin Neal, very good. Unbelievable. Stud. Uh, over 400 yards last year. Very, weeks. very good. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We'll have more KU football talk throughout the day. Uh, we're going to get to our Chiefs recap here in about 15 minutes. Case of the Monday is coming up at 4 o'clock. This is RCST. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. we got Case of the Monday is coming up at you at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. The Kansas City Chiefs winning 27-17 to last night. Uh, this stat was provided by NFL Research that teams with a plus three turnover differential, which the Jaguars were yesterday against the Chiefs, were twenty-two and zero this season. Make it twenty-two and one because the Jaguars lost, and they they not only lost, they lost by double digits in a game yeah, that handily. Yeah, it honestly could have been even worse than ten points, especially if not yep. for those. And they also had the the onside kick at the beginning of the game. They still yep. lost by ten. Yep. That was that was a good Chiefs game. Yeah, I flat. think um 
I think I'm two for two in my last two weeks of predicting what's going to happen in the Chiefs games. What did I tell you about this game? I think I I think I predicted the score right too. I think I said 27-14, 27-17. Mm, I don't remember. Okay. What did I tell you? This is going to be a, a forgettable Chiefs win, where the Chiefs just kind of you know they 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 handled the game. They were all they were dominating, but it's not going to be a a game anybody's going to remember. Be like, oh, do you guys remember that Jaguars game where the Chiefs won? Oh, which one? Everyone they've ever played against the Jaguars? Yeah, Mahomes, he's good. Okay, the interesting thing about this game was, is, is Clyde banished? <laughs> is, is he banished? Are is we, are he we, banished? Yeah, he got is, zero running plays. finally done with, with Clyde? I think so. Pacheco? I mean, like, banished to the standpoint, like, he'll still play. He's still going to come in for certain times, but certainly it seems like Pacheco oh, man, is was, now the He only took, like, back. three snaps. Yeah, and he got zero care. How else would you define banished? Well, I Besides, just mean like, like cut. Is he never going to play? Is he ever going to see a snap on the field for the Chiefs? Like, sure, he'll play. Well, um, three snaps in a game—that's pretty close to zero. I know he'll play next week, though. Okay. I definitely think though the lion's share of the carries go to Isaiah <laughs> Pacheco moving forward, and we also saw a lion's share of the receptions going to Jarek McKinnon in that game. So, yep. like, yep. that wasn't Clyde's mo either. So, yes, I do think that he has kind of usurped him, and um, it was definitely, I think the most telling part of it all was after Pacheco fumbled on the, I think that was, what, their first drive yeah, offense? Yeah, and then they ran HB dive with him on the first play. Very the first drive. play coming yep. back, which drive, yep. isn't totally new. Like, we, we see Andy Reid do that all the time. Yeah. I remember actually, when Kareem Hunt, yep, right? Yeah, with Kareem Hunt. Yeah. Uh, his first game as a rookie against the Patriots, he yep. fumbled on, like, his first carry. And then, and then he ran back for 200 yards. Yeah, had an unbelievable game against yep. the Patriots. And sometimes Andy Reid does that to see... How are you going to respond, and can I really trust you that even when you mess up, I know you're going to bounce back? And I think Pacheco did more than enough of that. So, yes, I do think Pacheco is very firmly going to be the running back moving forward. Okay, real talk. Mm -hmm. Do do we need to have a discussion about Harrison Butker? Man, that's... uh, Do do we need to have that discussion? He misses another PAT. Is he actually bad? If you had the line at the Chiefs minus 10... I'm sorry. That's yeah, that's tough. Uh, because of the the PAT, I think most people got it around like nine, nine and a half. But um, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on there. Okay. I mean, he he was hurt, you know. I, so maybe he's still, yeah. Maybe there's still something going on there that's affecting him. That would be my one guess. And maybe a lot of it too is mental, right? When you when you're not a hundred percent, you start overcorrecting things or be worried about like planting on this leg or whatnot. Or, or, is kicking just really hard? Yes, it is hard. I mean, think. I mean, think about it. Even if, like, at the college level and at the NFL level, there's been a lot of missed kicks this year. It feels like, at least. I don't have the numbers, obviously. Like, I didn't. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it feels like a, there's a lot of teams missing kicks, missing extra points, missing field goals. I don't know. That's what it feels like. So, last, like, is there a way to see like what? the the total number of field goals attempted and missed by the entire league or like made by the entire league maybe but like here's for example for Bucker so in his entire career with the Chiefs every season the most field goals he has ever missed in a season for the Chiefs is four and that was 2017 when he attempted 42 of them and 2019 when he attempted 38 of them every other season he's missed either two or three He's already missed three this year on just eight attempts. 
His next lowest for attempt in a season is 27. So, like, very clearly that's down. For PATs, he has had trouble with PATs in the past, like, weirdly enough. He went, he missed four in 2018, he missed three in 2019, he missed six in 2020, and he missed six? two last year. Oh yeah. Yeah. So maybe we shouldn't worry too much about the game because he has shown that he will miss the occasional PAT, and it's not like he missed a field goal. He didn't have any attempts. No. It is worrisome, though, because like you think to a lot of these crazy Chiefs playoff games and how they have relied on him hitting a big kick for him. You should, think should back the Chiefs... to the uh, Bills game last year. Yes, yeah. hit the big kick. The Patriots in the AFC Championship, they end up losing the game in overtime, but he hits the big kick. To should, send, you know. should the Chiefs trade for Justin Tucker? I mean, we're past the oh, trade we're deadline. Oh, we're past the deadline. <laughs> Never mind. And the Ravens would not trade him to the Chiefs. You'd Why have not? To, I mean, the Chiefs would have to overpay. What would you What What would you realistically have to trade for Justin That's Tucker? what I'm saying. The Ravens, as a competitor to the Chiefs in the AFC, well, are going to okay, be like, okay, forget about the competitive aspect. Yeah. What would it take? No, but take? I think that matters because the Ravens would be viewing it as, we're not helping you to win a Super Bowl. Okay, okay. But so let's say you would, you're going to have to overpay so much to make us accept the trade. Okay, for... Forget about that. What about just like the minimum they would take for the Ravens to like? So like you're saying the, in a like vacuum, the, like, like the Bucks, if you were like just, the Bucks, you know, the Bucks want Justin Tucker, okay, or um, another Super Bowl, or the yeah, Eagles. Yeah. The Eagles want Justin Tucker, like the Lions, where they're like, this isn't going to affect us in the playoff. How about that? What would it take to trade Justin That's Tucker? That's a great question. Like, what's what is he worth? Because he is the greatest. Like kicker. He's the greatest kicker of all time. And it's like you can get the best kicker in a random NFL draft in like the sixth round. Like Evan McPherson, I think was a fifth rounder. Yeah, um, but this is just yes, right. Literally the greatest kicker of all time, hands down. Did no question. Third asked. round pick. <laughs> is that too much? Is that too little? I, I don't. I don't know. You could argue know. to me. I don't know. Like that's if I'm the Ravens, I'm like, no, I'd rather have Justin Tucker. <laughs> you could also argue if you're the Lions, like I'm not giving up a third round pick for a kicker. So I don't know what, like, what the what, line is. What's he worth? <laughs> you know, for a second. I mean, okay, wait. Here's here's a fun one. Kadarius Tony, who had awesome game. Okay, he got traded for a third and a sixth. Would you rather? Would you rather the Chiefs have traded for Kadarius Tony a third and a sixth or Justin Tucker? I I, I loved Kadarius Tony, but man, Justin Tucker, Justin Tucker, he he might be worth it. That's crazy to think about. I mean, think about it. who who besides the quarterback, who potentially has a greater impact on the outcome of a game? Like a lot of other positions than the kicker. What do you mean? No, the kicker, he, he's, he, he scores points every drive. If you score, he has to kick an extra point, <laughs> or if he kicks a field goal. It's a very rudimentary way of being like, he is more important. The kicker scores more points than Micah Parsons, so, you know, I don't even know who the Cowboys kicker is, but, hey, he scores more. Um, uh, Canarius, yeah. Tony. Tony, good. Very, very good. It's funny. Turns if if you good. just put the blinders on, if you just – like, let's hypothetically say the Chiefs drafted him in the first round in, in 2021, and he just happened to be hurt for all this time. And and last week was like his first game, and you, you knew nothing. You had no prior stigmas or knowledge about what he did or didn't do with the Giants. After that game yesterday, we would be saying this guy's going to be a superstar. Well, okay, two questions. Number one, how much did he hate the Giants? And number two, why, the didn't the Giants, why didn't the Giants use him? I mean, I understand he was yes. hurt, but like the second part of that is the bigger part that I don't understand. Like, because this dude, there is a lot of talent. Like this there. dude's clearly 
clearly talented. Right. And even if it was like a McCole Hardman role where, okay, you know, maybe he's not going to be a guy who catches 100 passes for you in the season. and But, like, I mean, he's probably not going to be that. Why are the they not using him in that role, like, as a jet yeah. sweep guy in screens? I mean, he's probably not going to be that for the Chiefs either. No. No, it looks like he's going to be more than that. Oh, I, I, I don't know. I, I meant more than the, the McCole Hardman. Oh, role. yeah, but yes, yeah, you're right. But he's not going to be 100 be that, Yeah, yeah, correct. He won't be Tyreek Hill either, right? I mean, I mean, what what's his ceiling? Wide receiver two? Plus, like, I don't obvi- know, man. Plus, plus, obviously, he does a lot of other stuff. Like, he had wide 100 receiver all two, purpose yards. Plus, like, the jet sweeps. Plus, like, the. I think crazy that's what stuff. it is, though. Yeah. If you could get a. Because like, he's not going to be your wide receiver one. Like, okay, hypothetically, next year, Juju Smith Schuster isn't under contract. But hypothetically, if you re signed him yeah. and you rolled out a. Where your number one was Juju and your number two was Tony. I'd be happy with Plus that. Plus Travis Kelsey? Right, yeah, exactly. Plus Travis that's, Kelsey, that's, that's and then good. you have MVS and Sky Moore hanging around in there. That's Who knows pretty, what happens with McCole? That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think that's good. He has all sorts of explosiveness, and yep. the touchdown he had was was funny, him hopping in. Yeah, he, uh, okay, also, yeah, counter, also, one other thing, the, he's just a maniac. He's just crazy. <laughs> Like, did you see the play on the on the punt return where it, like, bounced? Yeah. And there was, like, 10 Jaguars, and he just... <laughs> Picked it up yes. and got killed. Yeah, love it. Like what? What? You love it. Um, but okay, I will say. I guess that touchdown he say, scored. By the way, Mahomes said that was his fifth read, which is unbelievable. <laughs> but anyway. okay, the other thing about him being a maniac though is like, that's kind of what Tyreek Hill was too. So like from a personality standpoint, the Chiefs were kind of missing that type of guy, right? Does <laughs> that matter? They're like dealing with the trade. They're like. Well, we want to do this, Trey, but tell me, is he a maniac? Well, does that matter in a football sense to have that kind of personality on your team? So, like, I don't, like that's what Tyreek Hill was. I don't think it matters to like. I don't think that's something you have to have on your team, but I think it can help you to play in the NFL <laughs> when you play a sport where you are constantly being like, and hit, you're just you're right? just you're just a crazy man. Yeah, you almost because have that's, to like that's, a, that's, how, that's 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 the vibe that I get from Tony. Yeah. He's just a crazy. Yeah. He's just a crazy man. By the way, not in a negative way. Is is it too early to say is Sky more a bust? Um, I yeah, to think about it, I don't think so. I don't okay, either. Listen, he has he was seven catches the, for one hundred six yards. What though. round did they draft him in the, the third second, round? Second round? Yes, late second. I mean, I don't think you can call him a bust right now. It is. Uh, if this doesn't mean he's a bust. These these two things are incongruent, and I agree with you. It's like it's still bust just is your just one. such a strong. It really is a strong term. But and it's so that, like final. Isn't that a little crazy and a little damning to Sky Moore that Kadarius Tony comes in? He's been here for two weeks now, or a week and a half by the time he, I guess, I don't know, was it two weeks? Whatever, whatever he got traded for, yeah. two, two weeks. Yeah, and he immediately is right now way more featured in the offense than Sky. I mean, well, we Sky talk- Moore. Sky Moore has 107 receiving yards this season. Kadarius Tony had 100 all-purpose yards in that one game. Listen, we talked about it last week when Kadarius Tony got in the game. It's like, okay, now obviously, if the Chiefs wanted to involve Sky Moore, they would have. Period. Yeah. Because they did, they did with Tony, right? And it goes back to my logic of how hard is it to have a guy t- just tell him to play? If he doesn't know the play, just tell him, <laughs> just tell him to play. <laughs> I mean, come on. Just tell Sky Moore, run an out route. Run a run a whatever. I think that's that's very problematic for him that 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 is the case. That Tony came in and he's immediately just getting more. And then also, do, you, do, have do the, you think that means Sky Moore sucks, or do you think that means he just is doesn't un, can't I don't hasn't think the coaching the staff fully trusts him. 
I don't know if this goes back well, to the I mean, punt return stuff. Would you trust stuff. him based off, yeah, off the punt return stuff? Would you trust him? I don't know. I, I like, And you think back the the one interception Patrick Mahomes had against the 49ers. I saw some people afterwards saying, yeah, like Sky Moore kind of ran the wrong depth of his route, and that's what led to the interception. So like, it's just certain things that makes you wonder if he has the full trust of everyone there. And, and especially it's not just that Tony has been ahead of him, but you also have those receiver injuries that happened in the game. At one point, MVS went yeah. out with the injury, which – Andre Cisco just headhunting, like, kind of dirty player. And Juju obviously has the bad concussion. Like, who knows how long he's going to be out for. You would have thought that, hey, here's two receivers out at a different point in time. Opportunity for Sky Moore to come in and make. He got a catch. He did, but, like, one catch. You know <laughs> what I mean? Four yards. And McCole Hardman's out of the game, too. Like, th- yeah. this is your shot to shine. So maybe he'll have more of those opportunities because we don't know how long McCole Hardman's going to be out. We don't know how long Juju Smith-Schuster's going to be out. I, I would. I would guess that Miko Harbin is not going to be out much longer. Like I, I feel like he could be back this week. I mean, it I don't know. Be. I mean, okay. Side note: abdomen injury. What? What is that? What? What? What does that mean? Uh, abdomen? doing too many sit-ups. What? Like well, I don't even know what that is. You, you don't. Well, know I know what abdomen? the abdomen okay. is, but like, what's <laughs> what's the injury? I don't know. It's a muscle. You like strain it. Strain your abdomen. Yeah, too many sit-ups. Okay, all right. I didn't know. Um, all right, is it an overreaction? Is this an overreaction to say that Trent McDuffie is going to be the best corner in the league by like next year? Yes, um, it is an overreaction. You think so? Well, I mean, dude, Sauce Gardner is probably already the best corner in the NFL at this point, and he's a rookie. Tark Woolen's been really good for the Seahawks. Trent, Trent McDuffie's a rookie too. I don't know, but you could convince me that. Trent McDuffie is already playing at like a top ten corner level in the NFL. Those I know he gave up the one kind of big pass in the first half, but outside of that, he was shut down. And the the two times they targeted him deep in the second half, and the one play specifically where he just kind of reaches around and taps the ball away, textbook. Yeah, that dude's a stud. Yes, best That's corner of the league in next year. I mean, it's it's seriously looking back to the Bills game. Wouldn't you like to think that the Chiefs beat the Bills if Trent McDuffie plays, and they have you know. You're taking away one more option from the Bills' offense. Yeah, better chance, certainly. Yeah. yeah. But speaking of that, what kind of good news for the Chiefs? All I mean, oh, they that, win that was dominantly. The Sunday that yesterday. Yeah, the step was up games from MVS the and Tony. Best day that the Chiefs could have had. By the way, overall. that MVS one handed catch sideline, unbelievable. That was good. Yeah, it yeah, was. That was really good. Um, really good catch. And that makes you feel good because if Juju and McColl are going to be out for another game or extended time, like you still feel like okay, yeah, you have I, there. I have a hard time believing that Juju is 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 going to play next week. I do too. But again, with how MVS played, with how Tony's looking, you still have yeah. Sky Moore there. If McColl Hardman's back, I think you still feel good there. Who knows what happens with Odell? At this point, I'm kind of not thinking that's going to happen. I mean, I don't, I don't really care. Yeah, about Odell. I, I feel like your receiver core is good enough. If you add him, good. You know, it's never bad to have more weapons. But I, mean, I don't I, think it's going to be the end of the world. From the standpoint of of the Odell situation, like it's almost like if the Chiefs were to add him, it would be like, okay, good, the Bills didn't get him, or yeah, okay, good, like that's a good another point. team, that's that, a good point, another t- like the Ravens didn't get him, or whatever, right? Like, yeah, it's almost like a defensive pickup <laughs> at that point. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Bills lose to the Vikings, losing a big lead. Yep. The Chargers lose last night to yep. the 49ers. Raiders All around lose, great day. Broncos for the the Dolphins are weirdly the two seed in the AFC now. Yeah. That's but the Chiefs now control their own destiny again. So the, the Bills AFC. are third in the AFC East now. Yeah. By the way. Well, technically, they they'd stink. be the five seed, I think, though, because they're not winning their division. Exactly. So they, wild. they stink. <laughs> they stink. Wait, no. Wouldn't they be the six seed behind yeah, the Jets? Yeah, you're right, because they're behind the Jets, yeah, too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're the third. They're the third. Man, have the mighty have fallen. 
That would be a disaster if the Chiefs had to play the Bills in the first. Yeah, game. that would suck. A disaster. Uh, get the bye. Get the one seed. Avoid Agree. That. Yes. Get the bye. All right. We're gonna take a timeout. When we come back, we got case of the Mondays. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. <laughs> Tough getting out of bed this morning after your weekend-long bender? I gotta get out of here. I think I'm gonna lose it. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Instead of focusing on Monday, it's time to rehash the glory days of the weekend that was right now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. You freaking me out, man. I got a massive headache. Okay, let's just calm down. I'm gonna just calm down. Look around you. With Derek Johnson. When you come in on Monday and you're not feeling real well, does anyone ever say to you, sounds like someone has a case of the Mondays? No. No, man. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Four o'clock hour here in about 20 minutes from right now. We're going to get on to an interview with Terry Nooner from the KU women's basketball team. Got NFL Monday overreactions later this hour. Some more KU football talk at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, and then we'll get into uh, some of our audio stuff here. But it is a Monday, and let's find out who is having a case of the Mondays today. We're going to start with crypto, cryptocurrency. Crypto, crypto bros. Yeah, I know so little about crypto. I like understand <laughs> the basics. Like, I understand, I don't know, but I, I don't understand, like, all the ins and outs. Nonetheless, okay. FTX, which is a... They are a crypto cryptocurrency firm, yeah, right? Crypto trading currency company, and they they were one of like the biggest ones. They right? were one of the biggest ones. Yes. Okay, uh, so this isn't like all crypto, but obviously, you know, when one of the big ones goes, and, and to be clear, like crypto in general has kind of been going down here anyway in general. But uh, Miami Dade County and the Miami Heat are ending their arena naming rights deal with FTX. That comes after they signed a 19-year, $135 million deal for the Heat's home court name in 2021. Um, but now they are bankrupt. Yes. That is why. They were scheduled to make a $5.5 million payment in January. That ain't happening. Yep, and that's why they cut ties. And somebody will, will quickly scoop up the Miami Heat court's naming right, certainly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you have to wonder, uh, the what was formerly the Staples Center, at in That's LA, right. aren't they? Don't they have a crypto name I now? I think so. Yeah. I don't. Is it? Is it? Isn't it just Crypto.com Arena? Or is it something uh, else? Yeah, it's just Crypto.com Arena. <laughs> Are they next to come? <laughs> I don't know. We'll find out. This is uh, certainly something interesting with FTX being under criminal investigation. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to this story. Uh, just beyond the heat cutting ties with them. There's yeah, there's one layer to it that uh, Nick will discuss on his future podcast, Sensual Dealings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's some different there's some different stuff involved. There's a lot of criminal stuff. I mean, I, okay, I think the my basic understanding of it is is essentially that FTX was a house of cards formulated on the idea that as long as not everyone invested in it tried to plot their money all at the same time, it would like kind of beat work, but then like that didn't happen. And people started like panicking and yeah. taking it out, and then the whole thing just kind of collapsed. No, my favorite thing to to say about like weird financial or um, companies that are doing shady stuff is, and this actually like is a case where I think this was actually the term of, of what was going on there, but just being like, oh, it's a Ponzi scheme. There's like a pyramid scheme, ah. you know, just just say that. And a lot of times it'll make <laughs> you sound smart and it'll, it'll cover the blanket on everything. But yeah, that was basically it. It was like, so Derek, hide your, hide your money, 
hide your bitcoins mm. underneath your underneath your mattress, <laughs> just like they did, just Pull like they did in the, the old times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, like I, I said, guess your bitcoin is not an actual physical thing, so you could not hide your bitcoin underneath your mattress. Oh, I thought that's what you were joking about. Well, no, the joke was that you can't hide your bitcoin underneath the mattress because it's not real. Thank you. That was the joke. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> again, I'm not smart enough to understand the whole crypto implosion stuff, but I can tell you it's bad. Sell your crypto now. Okay. <laughs> that should have been for sports stock market, I guess. Uh, behind true. the stock, scenes, stock down. Houston Astros. So I guess the Houston Astros front office is having a case in the Mondays, although maybe they're not because there's not as many people there. Um, James Click who is the general manager of the team that just won the World Series and helped yep. formulate that. Now, he wasn't the general manager that put this whole team together. That was, I think, Jeff Luno, who then got uh, let that go after... The fallout of the, yes. of the uh, trash can banging Yes, stuff. and so Click joined the Astros in 2020, but he's still been there for the past three seasons, and they've had all sorts of success. And all that the Astros offered him was a one-year renewal. And so he said no. And said, then the no, Astros I just said, that. Okay, fine. Screw you. Yeah. So apparently it's not all sunshine and rainbows. No, I guess you won the World Series. There was another front office guy who didn't get renewed as well in the Astros uh, department. Um, they fired assistant general manager Scott Powers. They fired him. Oh. For Scott Powers. Well, didn't they technically fire this guy too? Click. This is just they didn't or renew his, his contract deal. ran they out and they yeah, just and said, they okay, didn't re up it. And fine. He, well, they offered to re-up it, but he wanted probably more than a one-year deal, which, again, <laughs> or, is, is very yeah. understandable. You yeah. just won a World Series, right? So that's very odd that the Astros are like, hey, we just had all the success. Let's let go of our entire front office. Usually it's like other teams are like, man, could we hire your GM? Could we hire <laughs> your assistant GM? They're like, no, we don't want them. Makes me think that there's something weird going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, that they cheated. You think they cheated again? They found oh. like a new way, and they're like, crap, we got to get out in front of this now. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't, I don't know. I have no information on that. Case of the Mondays for Bobby Bonilla jokes. The uh, former New York Met who every year there's Bobby Bonilla Day because he's still yep. getting paid by the New York Mets. Yep. Those jokes are soon going to end, and really? Bobby Bonilla is going to be out of the you know news media for a while. Yeah, how many years does he have left? That's a good question. It can't be that long, right? Or was it just like every year that you're like alive? Forever? Was it, the, was it the Bill Self lifetime contract? Yeah, as long as you're alive. Um Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. Through 2035. So we still have that's 12 years. That's crazy. We still have 12 more years of, of, of jokes. Well, from the, the same franchise that brought to you Bobby Bonilla, they're also bringing you Edwin Diaz, paid forever. <laughs> uh, Edwin Diaz, who is maybe the best closer in baseball, he signed a five-year, $102 million contract with the New York Mets before the offseason really got going here. And... As part of the contract, $26.5 million is going to be in deferred payments that Edwin Diaz won't completely receive until the year 2042. Okay, I don't understand why anybody would agree to this st style of contract. Like why like the it's player bad. would or why the team it's, would? I feel like it's bad for both parties. Is it not? It's bad hmm. for the player because like you want your money, obviously. And I feel like it's bad for the franchise too, because then you just have to. It's just, it's just, it's like this. It's just hanging over your head. I mean, I guess if you're not very good with your money, it'd be a good thing because it would secure that you couldn't waste it all, right? You're like from the player standpoint. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I think you're right, though. I, I feel like what a I, I don't know this for sure. I feel like what an accountant would say everybody. is get your money up front, and that way you can just invest it, right? Uh, or, or put it in savings accounts. I don't know the answer to that. I would think from the team's perspective, they would actually kind of like it. Why? Because, like, do you think the Angels last year had more fun paying Albert, or two years ago, whatever, Albert Pujols, like, $40 million? Or do you think they would have preferred to be like, and where that's taking up a, a fourth of the team's payroll? Or do you think they would have rather been like, eh, we're only having to pay him $2 million for the next 20 years, and it's not like significantly altering who we can or can't sign in the offseason that year? Yeah, now, but if you do it too but much. But then you're the butt of jokes, like like the Mets. But do people make jokes about it, or do they just make jokes about like Bobby Bonilla living the life? I don't think they make jokes about the Mets. The Mets being dumb. Mets make jokes and have jokes made about them in other ways. You know, they're the Mets, but I don't know. <laughs> you could be right here. I mean, I just I, I, I do think it's funny though say, that it's the same like, franchise who keeps you, doing but, this. Like it, it's not sustainable though because if you sign so many players to those types of contracts, yes. then half your payroll in 2050 is paying guys that are 70 years old. But. Back to the crypto stuff, it's like a Ponzi scheme. You're like, I'm not going to be the GM in 20 years, right? If you're the general manager here, it's not my problem. It's not my problem. Yeah. Future Mets will pay for that. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of genius if you think about it. What? Um, Okay. uh, Football viewers during the World Cup are having a case of the Mondays. The World Cup starts up this Sunday, I think. Oh, Sunday? I think Sunday is like probably just the like Qatar probably plays or something uh, for like the opening game. But then, yeah, I think the. I know the first U.S. game is the 21st, yep. which would be next Monday. Yep. Um, Against Wales. Yeah. Surely the United States can beat Wales. It's Wales. I think it's like a pick It's Wales. Gareth Bale. The population of Wales is like, what, a million? Yeah, but all of their best athletes play soccer, whereas soccer for us is like, yeah, it's like sixth on the list. <laughs> okay. No, I— what if, what, if, what if for the World Cup— we did decide to be like, hey, let's get our best athletes for the world. Like, like the we're gonna is pull they out. To play we're gonna pull for so long. We're gonna no, 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 no. That's the part of it that we don't do. We only oh, so pull the wonder, best athletes and just throw them on the field and, and see what we can like, do. And see, see what see we, what can, we do. can do. See if it'd be better or worse than yes. it currently is. That's yes. actually, I, I love that idea. We just I pull all of idea. the best. At all, you know. Yeah. So you're you're not even LeBron, saying it, right. I love and, this. I love this. So like, who you know, knows if LeBron can actually Kadarius Tony get Kadarius Tony oh out there? Yeah, Tyreek no, Hill. I love this, and this would like. I'm not even joking. I'm sure from a world's world view of it, every be like, person you guys hate the joke of this. I yes, that's the reason. Yes, I would. You're, you're telling me like I I like the World Cup. I'll watch you it. Have but fifty million. You're telling viewers. me that an average Joe isn't sitting there going, yeah, I don't know. I might not watch this, and they're like, wait a minute, LeBron, Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I don't, I don't know who else, it. and they'd be like, who are the best some athletes? people might watch it not even to be like, I think we're gonna do well because they probably wouldn't. Because who they knows? A watch, lot of these they guys might watch suck to see soccer. it fail. Exactly, but it'd fail gloriously. I love and this you get idea. Fifty million viewers. I easily. love this idea. This is the greatest idea you've ever had. Um, <laughs> did you see during the Kansas State game? They like spent time doing this like comparison with like Deuce Vaughn to Lionel Messi. I did not see that, and I just want everyone to know. This is what coverage is going to be like. So the World Cup is on Fox and the Fox channels. So I'd imagine like FS1 and stuff. 
Yeah. So if you have a college football game on one of these channels, or even NFL games, I guess, on Fox, yeah. which, by the way, hey, KU is on FS1 on this <laughs> Saturday, and then they're, they're on, on Fox. Fox the following Saturday, yep. meaning that this is going to be right up their wheelhouse because the World Cup is going to be ongoing for like a month, month and a half. They're going to be making all of these like comparisons and different promos and things that are going to try to be getting football fans to watch the World Cup action. So just be ready gonna, for it's it. It's just going to be annoying. Just be ready for it. It's going to be an onslaught. We're imagine hear, if they did the promo where it was LeBron James. I, it'd be a lot more interesting. But like now we're going to hear about, who would you know. Be, who would be the goalkeeper? Um, LeBron might be a good one. Could we make like Joel Embiid the goalkeeper? Well, he's... He's playing, not, he's not even playing for, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a good point. Not Joel Embiid. Uh, I don't know. Hmm. We have to, but like, like, how would we even determine who the best, you know, 20 athletes are? You just have a panel, pick them. Okay. I don't know. Well, Deuce Vaughn can clearly play the messy role. <laughs> We're going to have someone on later this week, I think, to uh, preview the World Cup. So we'll talk some soccer later in the week. Talking soccer. Because me or and Nick aren't going to know a football. ton, so we better have somebody on to, to talk about No, I know bit. a little bit about soccer. Tell me one thing about soccer. What do you want to know? I just, One thing. It could be anything. I gave you okay, an entire... You shoot the ball into the goal and you score. <laughs> there we go. One thing one about thing. soccer with Nick. Uh, case of the Mondays for Derek Carr, who fought back tears at the press conference after another loss. The Raiders are bad. bad. The Raiders they might be the worst team in the NFL. Stink. Which honestly they makes stink. it even crazier if the Chiefs would have... Lost to the Raiders, and they would have losses to the Raiders and, and the Colts, Colts right now. That would make me just very depressed. Josh McDaniels' days might be numbered. It sounds like they're sticking with him and, and stuff, but uh, what about for Derek Carr specifically? Because I was thinking about this. If the Raiders have a high pick, which it they're very much trending to having like a top five pick right now. If you're the Raiders, do you take a quarterback and then move Derek Carr? Like, do you well, think Derek Carr <laughs> will be the starter by, say, 2024? The bigger issue here for the Raiders is like, Part of the premise of the Devontae Adams trade was, like, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr are best friends, right? Like, wasn't that part of the draw yeah. of making that trade? Or part of the reason I mean, Devontae Adams wanted to... So now you're going to alienate your best player? You might, player? but don't you think this is alienating Devontae Adams? Or he's like, I'm they a just stuck? Yeah. He's like, I shouldn't have done this. I, I think that... Okay, but if if you draft a number one... If you draft a you know top five quarterback to start him... You're not going to be good, probably. No, probably not. I mean, they they if they really wanted to, they could be like, hey, we're going to trade Derek Carr. They could probably get like a second-round pick for him. Um, we're going to trade Devontae Adams. Who are you trading Derek Carr to? Well, sorts of teams would want him. So now, okay, hold on. So now you're going to blow up the whole thing Yeah. after eight games, nine games. No, at the end of the season. You're going to you blow know? up the whole thing after one season. Yes. They're bad. They're really bad. They've just lost <laughs> to a team that hired bad. a coach who hadn't even coached. They are they are bad. Are they are they the worst team in the league? Who's worse? The Texans? Are the Texans worse? Texans are worse. They beat the Texans. Raiders beat the Texans too. Okay. Yeah. So they're the second worst team in the league. Mm, they lost to the Jaguars, yeah. Um the Lions can't be worse. No. Yeah, they're probably second worst unless they play the Chiefs. Then they somehow play up. Although we, we sometimes see them. Or, or is it the either, Chiefs play down? 
Yeah, but then sometimes we see like last year where they just blow them out both times. Like there's no in between. There's never just like a oh that went exactly how it was supposed to when the Chiefs play the Raiders. Or it's like oh it's a 31 to 20. Like you know that makes sense. It's yeah, either like 27 to 17. Yeah, it's either barely, like some crazy you know. game or the the Chiefs win by 40. Uh, case of the Mondays for Josh Allen. Josh Allen choked and lost to Kirk Thuggins and threw a pick in OT to lose the game. Would an MVP would an MVP player do that? Mm. So you're saying Jalen Hurts for MVP? Sure. Not Josh Allen. <laughs> he struggled the last couple and weeks. And now we're gonna get the Josh Allen discourse of Well, actually he was better than Mahomes. Well now he's not even gonna be a top five quarterback. He sucks now. I still think the Bills are gonna go on a big run here. I hope not. Chiefs well, I guess I don't. Destiny. I guess I don't really care. As long as the Super Bowl is not played at 12 p.m., we don't have to worry about the Vikings. <laughs> okay. That catch by Justin Jefferson, it, incredible. Chef's kiss. He's that was Springer. the craziest game of all time, by the way. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Terry Nooner, associate head coach for the KU women's basketball team, joins us next. Joined now by Terry Nooner, the associate head coach for the KU women's basketball team. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk, a 72-61 to 61 victory for you all in the season opener against Jacksonville. What did you think of the opening night performance last week, and, and what are some things that you most want to improve on from that opening night game? I mean, I thought it was just a great chance for the ladies to finally get a chance to play against somebody else um, in front of a crowd, um, get get all of the, the preseason jitters out. Um, I think they were pretty excited about just playing in front of a crowd and playing against another team. Um, and the Jacksonville team we played, were, I mean, they were a great team. were very well, well coached. They were smart. They were super athletic. So for us, it was just a chance for us as coaches to be able to get stuff on film. You know, there's a lot of a lot of things that, that when you harping on and preaching on, you coaching kids that they don't they don't probably understand or think the coach is right until they see it on film. So just trying to make sure we improve our defense, uh, make sure we improve our offensive execution was what we uh, came out of with. Tiana Jackson had 16 points, 12 rebounds in that opener. She was already obviously a key component for you all last season and, and the success you had. Uh, but how much more has she grown into this year? Uh, she, I mean, she's grown a lot. She had a, a, a great off season of, of, of getting herself in better shape, getting herself stronger, and, and then just improving her skill level. Um, and what we really want to focus on with her is making sure she's much not just a, a defensive force, but that she brings that same uh, tenacity and and and, and uh, execution on offense. So really working on being able to finish around the basket, being able to handle the ball. Um, so offensively, she's improved so much. And I think Coach Brandon has given her a lot of confidence. So she worked on her outside shot a lot this offseason, too. So I think that's something that people can expect to see from her, too. Talking with Terry Nooner, the associate head coach for the KU women's basketball team. UT Arlington is the next opponent. What's the scouting report on them? What are you kind of hoping to see out of your side of things in that game? For us, I mean, on on our end, we we really focused on um, our defensive intensity and um, making sure we do a better job of following scout reports and being fundamentally sound. 
And then just offensively executing, so setting better screens, playing with more pace, um, and doing the things that we do in practice every single day. I think for UTA, we're excited because they they were a tournament team last year. Um, they have the wide preseason player of the year. Um, that's a kid that, that we recruited pretty heavily out of high school, so we know how good um, she is. They played Iowa State and were actually up at the half against Iowa State uh, in Ames last year in the tournament by like six or seven points. And it was a game that went all the way down to the wire. So we know they're going to be real tough competition. You know, these are kids that are going to be excited to come up here to try to beat us on our home floor. So I think it's a, it's a great test for us. How do you all as a staff at, at this early point in the season kind of go about that balancing act of, you know, working all the in-game things and, and trying to win all these games and have success versus maybe doing some things, whether it would be rotationally or play calling that uh, maybe is more geared to the future. Like how do you kind of gear or, or balance those two things between playing for the now and playing for some things that are going to help you down the road later this season? Well, I think for us is is I think – a big part of last year, what we came out of, of last year when we played Stanford in the tournament is we just got to see the way we as a staff and our players got to see how the Stanford players operated as a unit. Um, so I feel like everything we do is trying to – our goal is was, is to host the um, NCAA tournament this year. So everything we're, we're doing this year is – is with that in mind is to try to make sure we're competing against the best teams in the country. So it's, we're playing UTA, but at the same time, we're focusing on what we need to do to make sure we're the best team by the end of the season. So I think that's kind of like our mindset. So uh, as far as, you know, the week ahead, it's, it's the first two game week of the season. Are there any challenges with, with having to go through that for the first time in a year or is that not really a concern? <laughs> No, not really, because we play Wednesday and then we play Sunday. So that's, a, I mean, that's a pretty good break. I mean, I, I would, I would think from a, as a former player, I would rather be playing two games in a week than a whole week's worth of practices and having to deal with the coaches every day. So I think as players, they're probably more excited to be playing them than having to deal with us in practice every day. <laughs> Holly Kierskeeter made some big plays down the stretch for you guys yeah. in, in that last game after maybe laboring a, lit, uh, a little bit with, with some of the shooting, but that'll obviously come and go as, as the season goes on. What can you say about Holly now and the kind of steps she's taken into another year forward this year? I mean, I think she's noticeably stronger and, and faster. Um I think that was one thing that people tried to play her more physical once we got into conference play and then once we got to postseason play. So she really uh, made a concerted effort to make sure she got a lot stronger and a lot faster. Then I think just uh, us as a team, I think we kind of know everybody's roles and stuff a lot better. So um, she knows when she needs to step up. She's also a great defender, um, which you'll see a lot this year. But I think just from a strength and 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 mindset, uh, those are the areas where I think she probably got the best. And she's one of our hardest workers, too, off the court. Like, she's in the gym, whether it's in between classes or, or after practice. Like, she's always going to be shooting and doing extra stuff to work on her game. She wanted to make sure she was a better finisher this year and um, also being able to shoot, like, in the mid-range. Chandler Prater didn't have a, a strong shooting night either in the opener, but comes up with a handful of steals. How important is she to the team having success here in uh, 2022? 
Oh, she's a b- very important. She's, I would say she's our energy and, and, and the, the amount of force that she plays with. She brings something to the table that, that's probably unique to her with, with her energy and, and how hard she plays and the fact that we can play her anywhere on the, I mean, she, she can play one through four. Like she knows all her positions on the floor. So she's a great utility player. So she's the type of kid where, you know, she has great energy. And when she's hitting shots, that's even better, which she's been working a lot on. She's been kind of nursing a few injuries that that she had just gotten back from before the last game and trying to get herself back in the shape that she was in before she was having some, some small little injuries. But just her energy that she brings, the force that she plays with, and ability, no matter who's, like, Brandon needs to, uh, energy at the four spot, or he wants to play small, he can play her at the four. If he needs a third or fourth point guard, she could play the point guard. Plus, she also already plays the wings. So, just her ability to be able to be versatile and play anywhere on the floor really helps us a lot. What do you think of some of the newcomers or fresh faces in, in their opening performance, and what some of those players could provide for you this year? Okay, why that? I think she had eight points in the first half, um, which I think was was um, was was really exciting. Like we are extremely excited about her. Um, she had a, I think it was like a foot injury that held her out for a few weeks. So she, her and Chandler both had just got back in the, back into practice a few days before we played Jacksonville. So that was pretty exciting to see her ability to be able to make plays and shoot off the dribble and. Her speed, I think, kind of changes and brings us a different kind of dynamic on the floor from the point guard position. And then uh, Sophie, who was out against Jacksonville, is another uh, backup four player for us. That's very cerebral. She's strong. She can shoot the three. Um, so we're hoping she'll be able to play um, probably by this Sunday. But I, we're real excited about her, too. Talking with Terry Nooner, the head or the uh, associate head coach for the KU women's basketball team here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I've got some fun ones to finish up with you here. Uh, you've obviously okay. coached at uh, Southern Illinois, Texas, Alabama, and Maryland in the college game. Which mascot among the Saluki, Crimson Tide, the Terrapin, the Longhorn, and the Jayhawk? Which mascot wins in a fight? In a fight, uh, shoot that Longhorn. I think that Longhorn wins. It's a, in the in the in the. You talking about the real animal, or are you talking about the mascot? Uh, you can take it either way. <laughs> the the real animal is that. I mean that 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 big bull or whatever it is with them horns. That's kind of, that's kind of scary. It's it's scary to me. <laughs> uh, which school has the uh, most complicated fight song? Uh, probably. Uh. Probably Maryland. And which school do you, is there like a, a place where you're like, you know, I, I crave the, there's this one, you know, type of food or, or one restaurant that, you know, I, I would love to go back to and, and grab a bite to eat there. Where Where's that one place? Uh, will probably be there. There's a bunch of places that that uh, shoot two places. So so in Mar- at Maryland we were in D.C. So um, I got to get crab cakes and it was like everywhere. It was a place called Timbuktu. I don't know why that was the name of the place, but um, they served some of the best crab cakes in Hanover, Maryland, where I live. But there were a bunch of places for crab cakes in Maryland. And then uh, I gained a lot of weight in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, because <laughs> it seemed like everything they served down there is fried. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. So I, 
So I liked the food. I, I didn't like the weight that I picked up, but I did like the food in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, you have a you have an off day during the off season in Lawrence. Uh, what's something you like to do? Besides, because uh, normally my off time, especially during basketball season, I'm my kids tease me because they say, "Why do you work in basketball?" And then you come home and you want to watch basketball all day. So that's. <laughs> If I'm not doing going to my kids' games or practices, um, I always go to practices and games, especially when we have an off day because it's a that's a lot of pressure that's on my wife. But besides that, it's it's me at home watching more basketball besides what I watch at work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which coach is most likely to fall asleep on a bus ride home from a game? Fall asleep, probably Coach Rod because she's a she goes to bed at like she's sleeping like nine o'clock every single day. <laughs> okay, who's the so big, definitely her? Who's the biggest night owl among the coaches? Who's probably gonna stay up a little later? Me, I'm I'm usually up to like probably they know like two o'clock in the morning if they need me I'm I'm gonna be up doing something. I'm the I'm the night person. I love it. Well, Coach, I appreciate the time and and good luck this week. Good luck this season. Thanks so much, Rock Talk. That was Terry Nooner, associate head coach for the Kansas women's basketball team, joining us here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. About a quarter till five, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. We're going to have our KU football offensive notebook coming up in the five o'clock hour. We've also got some audio to share with you. Tomorrow, you'll be able to hear the Kansas Duke game right here on KLWN, but it is a Monday. NFL happened yesterday. Let's overreact. What do we got on the docket today? <clears throat> All right. Well, it was an exciting day of NFL football. And one thing we didn't touch touch on, actually, during the Chiefs segment was some of the hits by Andre Sisco, which was the safety for the Jacksonville Jaguars. So because of those hits, Derek, should he be banished from football? <laughs> I've been throwing the term banished around quite a bit today. Yeah, I think he should be banished from the country, honestly. He's, okay. He has to move to Canada if he wants to keep playing football. Uh, Go CFL. play in the CFL. Sorry. Actually, no, that's that's not extreme enough. He can't play football anymore. He can't play sports at all. Man. He can't leave his house. Oh. Oh. <laughs> all right. Uh, well. No, but Andre Cisco, <laughs> those were dirty plays, man. Like, I don't know. The the fact that neither one was flagged, too, is wild, especially in a world where... Yeah, I think if the first one gets flagged, the second one probably doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, if the, they didn't flag any of them. Yeah, that's a problem. I, I uh, thought it was super interesting. You saw a bunch of the Chiefs players on social media, like, after the game, too, like, really voicing kind of support and stuff, as you would kind of expect, but... Like, there, there's no room for that in the game, especially for, like, I'm sorry, but Andre Sisko, you're not a very good team, and, you know, you're just going to, like, clearly impact the way that some of these other things go by the fact that uh, you're just, you know, trying to rip people's heads off. But, uh, yeah, no, no room for that in the game. Okay, Jaguars are a bad team. Are the Vikings the best team in football? Oh, I was like, where are you going with this? Um, <laughs> Vikings... <laughs> Are they the best team in football? Minnesota well, the Vikings, best team in football. I think coming into yesterday, the common thought was the Buffalo Bills are the best team in football. And they just beat them in their home field. Okay. And they have the second best record in football. The only team with a better record is the Eagles, 
problem is not only do the Eagles have a better record than the Vikings, they also beat them, and they beat them handily. I think it was 24-7. Okay. It's also week two of the so season, you, right? You or week the, two or week three? You think it's the Eagles then? Well, I guess if that was so early in the season, couldn't they just be better now? Like, things could have changed. Okay. The real answer is that I still think the Bills are a better football team than the Minnesota Vikings. Interesting. I mean, it took a wild comeback just to come from behind and force overtime. And, uh, you know, you're down, what, no, 20? Well, both, both those teams won and lost the game, like, three different times. Yes, but the Bills were up, they like, 27-10 to or 27-17. to 17. So the Bills are chokers. Uh, I mean, Period. I just, I don't know. I, I think... Here's, the, here's my take. The Minnesota Vikings are the best team in football at 12 o'clock. They were able to play them at 12. At any other time, they might not be the best team. They're at lucky the game the didn't best. get flexed. It ended up being a great game. Unbelievable. Yeah. Dude, Justin yeah. Jefferson is, is unreal. Kirk Cousins played really well um, in the game in some key moments, although, I don't know. He, he did what needed to be done. Dalvin Cook ran all over the defense. Vikings are really good. I'm not quite willing to say they're the best team in football. Okay. Speaking of Justin Jefferson, if the season ended today, right now, right this second, 447 Central Time. Okay. Is Justin Jefferson the MVP? Wow. I feel like... Or he should be. I mean, betting odds-wise, Patrick Mahomes is the favorite now. Jalen Hurts is, like, second. Josh Allen's still around there. Uh, if you go for Offensive Player of the Year, though, Justin Jefferson is the favorite right now. And I'm curious why there is such the drop-off between the two because the Vikings have been so good, and he's... Uh, unstoppable. I mean, he's the reason they would. They had what? Four, what was that play? Fourth and eighteen, when they just lob it up to him and he's in double coverage and he makes an unbelievable one-handed catch that just snatches the ball away. Counterpoint: He's a wide receiver, so he can't win. And that's that's why that is because just in, in inherent inherently the the value of a quarterback is just so much more than a receiver. But like, if he is turning Kirk Cousins and the Vikings into the question that we just had where they might be the best team in football. Shouldn't that deserve something? I I guess so. I don't know. So actually, I'm on board with this. Okay. If the season ended today, this is not a prediction. This is the a season ended an assessment. Right this second. Yes. Then I would give it to him. I'd be comfortable with that. Okay. He's putting up unbelievable numbers. You could make the argument that he is not even the best receiver right now, too, with the way the Tyreek Hill is playing. But he has... He has 69 catches for 1,060 yards right now. So he's on that's pace good. for like just under 2,000 yards yeah, on a team that, again, does not have one of those quarterbacks, but he is turning him production-wise into one of those guys. And he's the best player, I would say, on, again, what could be considered the best team in football. The Miami Dolphins are the most underrated team in football. I think that's true as well. I think that until what we, what makes them underrated? Like who's underrating them? Well, that's the beauty of the the terms overrated and underrated. <laughs> somebody can see like one thing about somebody being like this sucks, and you can be like, well, now they're underrated, right? Um, so that is a very like loose thing that sometimes we get way too lazy with, um, and just throw that tag on everything. Like there are some people where that's just their whole bit. It's Everything is either overrated or underrated. Like, nothing is ever properly rated. I think that what it is for me is that are you flying under the radar compared to where you should be? Right now, the Dolphins are the two seed in the AFC. Yeah. Right now, the Dolphins, they're only 
I mean, they beat the Bills. They, they lose to the Vikings with backup quarterbacks in a close game. They're undefeated with Tua in the lineup. He's actually leading the NFL in EPA per play right now. I feel like a lot of what they have done so far would give the credence that this is a top five team in the NFL. And it doesn't feel like they're being viewed that way. Who would have thought that the Tyree Kill trade would make the Chiefs better and the Dolphins better? Yeah. Dolphins way better. Yes. Um, so, like, I can see that. I feel like the most underrated team was, uh, like, I feel like almost the Vikings were that team until last week. But because they had that big win over the Bills, now they're no longer there. Like, they have okay. arrived. They've made the statement. I don't feel like that's been the case for the Dolphins. It's still like, yeah, but they beat the Bills, but that was kind of a statistical anomaly game. And I don't know. Do we really trust to... Uh, <laughs> I think they're they're one of the most uh, underrated teams. Okay. The New England Patriots are about to get a lot better, and here's why. Josh McDaniels is going to be fired by the Raiders. New England had did not hire an offensive coordinator and went with Matt Patricia and, and Joe Judge as their offensive coordinator duo, essentially keeping the seat warm for McDaniels to return. So, is Bill Belichick the smartest person of all time? To not hire an offensive coordinator and keep it warm, knowing that Josh McDaniels is going to do bad as a head coach in Oakland or in Las Vegas, and they're going to rehire him. The Patriots are about to get a lot better. Okay, so the overreaction. There's a lot. There's a lot to, a lot to unpack better. there. Sorry. Yeah, no, there is. So, but at the end of the day, main statement: the Patriots are about to get a lot better. Yeah. Um, I think it's an overreaction because even if Josh McDaniels comes into the team, which to be clear, Josh McDaniels might not be a very good head coach. He has been a good offensive coordinator, right? Yeah, and his seven cents with the Patriots has been great. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, like, there are guys that that's just, like, the case. Like, Vic Fangio, great defensive coordinator, but, you know, couldn't rack it as a head coach. We, we see that all the time. It's, you know, yep. it just is how it is. Yep. Um, he would certainly help the offense. And the gap from going from a defensive coordinator and special teams coach coaching the offense to an actual good offensive coordinator, that would be a big jump for them. But... Is that offense all of a sudden going to become like one of the, you know, top even quarter offenses in the NFL, even with a good offense coordinator? Probably, probably not. not. Yeah, probably not. So it is an overreaction, but it certainly would help them. And it certainly seems like I, I totally in on this. He's just going to have a, a walking offer to come back to the Patriots. Okay. You know what's interesting for him? What's that? I feel like if he would have stayed the Patriots offensive coordinator for however long Bill Belichick was going to be the head coach. He probably would have been the head coach once Bill Belichick retired. And who knows? Probably. That could be five, eight years from now. I don't know. Um, and maybe he didn't want to wait that long, and I'm, I'm sure that's yeah. part of it. But now, like, that's definitely not happening. All right. Jeff Saturday will lead the Colts to the AFC South title. Ooh. Uh, yes, this is an overreaction. He is one Are you sure it's an overreaction? He's trending in the right direction. They're only one game behind the title. Yeah, that's what's weird. Dude, the Colts are AFC West killers, man. They, they beat the Broncos, the Chiefs, and the uh, Raiders. So I guess look out, Chargers. They are are they two games back of the char of the Titans or one game? Uh, I think it's a game and a half. They're two back in the no, they're two back. They're the, four, the, five, and one. The Titans are six and three. Okay, yeah, they're four, five, and one. The Titans are six. And so they're three. two back, but like you said, they're trending in the right direction. Undefeated with the new coach, Matt Ryan, back in at quarterback. Um. They have a good defense. If Jonathan Taylor comes back healthy, this is crazy. If you go by point differential, they are the worst team by far. Well, no, the Texans are worse, but it's very close. Oh, yeah, you're right. The Texans so the, are worse, but it is very close. The Jaguars are actually the best team in their division by point differential. Yeah. That's wild. They're plus 11. Titans are minus two. 
Then you have a big drop off to the Colts, who are minus 46. And then the Texans are minus 58. Yeah, I was trying to do the math and I just gave up. So you're telling me Jeff Saturday's not going to lead the Colts to the AC South title? No, he's not. Man, I thought you would take the bait on that one. No. But there, there is a, a scary world out there where the Chiefs get the two seed. They just miss out on the bye. And they play Colts, Colts. sneak in as the seven seed and just have this voodoo magic over the Chiefs. Yep. And then even if the Chiefs win that, the three seed are the Bills. Yep. You know, that would not be fun. All right, the 49ers, they are 10-2 in games that Jimmy G starts and does not throw a touchdown. So... The 49ers should intentionally not let Jimmy G throw a touchdown pass so that they can win more games. Yeah. Um, no, this is an overreaction. That is a funny stat, though, which I think does speak to how good the defense and the running game and, and Kyle Shanahan have been, even without him, which just adds to the reason like why they would want Trey Lance. That's just a weird stat. I don't know what to make <laughs> of that. That's just how I, I don't think there's anything like logic to Jimmy it. Jimmy G just like, is just a clutch quarterback. Is how I read it, right? By not throwing a touchdown, it makes by it clutch. winning by winning games where he maybe is not. Oh, he's just a winner. Best. Yes, you know what I mean. Like, like that's an important trait to have. So they should you need to be able to win games when you don't play they your should, best. When they get down to like the, they should just tell the receivers like if they're breaking away, it's like about to be a sixty-yard touchdown. Be like, no, get out at the one. We can't let yeah, you just score fall down at the one. Because if you're ten and two, I mean that puts you on pace to probably be like the one seed at the yeah. least the two in your call. Fall down at the one. And we're going to run HB dive to get the touchdown. Yes, this is an overreaction. Man. Okay, how about this? The Bucks and the Packers, they're back. They're back, baby. Back mm. like they never left. We've had multiple overreactions on here about the Bucks and the yeah. Packers, like, finishing last know, in their divisions, not, miss, not you know missing the playoffs, whatever. Are they back, though? Is that an overreaction? The to Tampa say back? Bay backs, the Buccaneers, and the Green Bay backers. No. <laughs> I disagree with that. Um, what does back mean? I think for those teams, it means back to being a high seed in the playoffs and making a playoff run. Then no. But I guess with the Bucks, they're going to... I mean, the Bucks are going to win the division. The Bucks, they just are. The Bucks. the problem is they're gonna they probably the aren't going to be able to catch the Eagles or the Vikings. Right. But they could still be a three seed. Yeah, they could still catch 49ers or Seahawks yep, and they could obviously be just beat the Seahawks and yep. clearly would at least get the four seed by winning their division. So they're back from that standpoint. But do I actually believe they're going to go on a run to make the Super Bowl? No. What about the Packers? Also, Listen, no. The Packers, other time I they won the Super Bowl. I don't even know if they're a playoff team, though. The Packers, the other time they won the Super Bowl, they made a run from the wild card. Why yeah, couldn't they, they do it again? Why couldn't they, why couldn't they you know, scratch their way to a 9-8 and eight season? Make the playoffs and go on a run. Hmm. I don't have an answer for you, and other than that team was just better. But like you see, Christian Watson starting to go off, and you have another young receiver in Romeo Dobbs. Like, what if those guys just figure it out and it clicks for them, and all of a sudden things are different? But like the Giants are seven and two, the Cowboys are six and three, which I guess they just beat the Cowboys, and now they have the head to head. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, that doesn't matter. You have the 49ers at five and four. Like those would be your three wild card teams right now. Which of those teams are they catching? Mm, I mean, I guess if you don't believe in the Giants, the Giants. 
But the Giants at seven and two, they're probably still going to at least win ten games. Do you think the pack? I guess that's where I'm at. For them to make the playoffs, they're going to have to win ten games. They're four and six. They're four and six. That means they got to go six and one. Really, seven and one if you include last week. Yeah, and that's tough. They still have to play the Vikings again. They do. They get them at home though. Okay. Uh, They have the Titans this week on Thursday night. Then they have at Philadelphia. Bad. At Chicago, Rams at home, at Miami, Minnesota at home, and the Lions. They're losing two at two of those at least. They're probably losing okay. three or more. All right. They're, they're not, not making okay. the They're not back. I'm sorry. They're not back. The Bucks are not either, but the Bucks are probably going to win the division. That is our NFL Monday overreactions. Not overreacting to that one. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Two hours down, one to go. This is RCST. KU Football Talk next. Five o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Nick Springer, I am Derek Johnson here. We've got some KU audio to get to you throughout the hour here on RCST. By the way, uh, KU Texas game, obviously at 2.30 this Saturday. Going to be out of Big Mill before the game from noon to 2. Our pregame show on KLWN will be noon to 1 o'clock. Big Mill will be back open, so uh, you're going to want to come on out this Saturday. And then the KU game next Saturday against Kansas State in Manhattan, they announced the game time of 7 o'clock. Prime time. They listen to you. I don't think they since did you listen. had your big since, diatribe yes. of 11 a.m. games, I don't think Brett they've Yormark had Brett Yormark listened to the game. show, and he said, we need to get these guys some not 11 a.m. games. <laughs> and he got it done. So thank you, Brett. There you go. Okay, proud our, of you. our KU Offensive Notebook for the week. Uh, let's start here. When you take away Jason Means' first progression, it's just kind of very problematic for KU, and I think that goes back into the word we've used before, processing with the difference between Jason Mean and Jalen Daniels. Jalen Daniels, I think, sees goes through more of his reads. He does a better job in the option game. Jason Bean can still hurt you and can be a really good quarterback, and he's still put up fantastic production and all things considered done well for you uh, when you especially throw in that he has been a backup and whatnot. But uh, there are certain times, whether it's the interception he threw or maybe not reading a blitz fully coming or not being able to execute the option game as much, that um, with Jason Bean, it's just it's a little bit different. Yeah, we talked about at the top of the show with the with the option game. Like, it's just not the same, man. It hasn't been the same since Jalen Daniels got knocked out against TCU and and against Texas Tech. It felt like Kansas was trying to force it. They were trying to force the option game. Just maybe, I think, I guess if if you're trying to get into the mind of Andy Kolnicki as the coordinator, the thought process being, you know, we we don't want to take away a part of our offense just because we have a different guy in there. Like, we still want to have the defense anticipate what we're going to do or you know anticipate what we're going to do and it just it just wasn't working it just wasn't working so with, with Jason Bean it just you just you just can't do it you just can't do it and all that being said Devin Neal was fantastic I mean another incredible game from him 24 carries by the way so even though we assumed that he wasn't going to have another 32 carry, carry game 24 that's that's still a lot yeah, it's a lot of carries. So good amount, and I kind of expect the same thing this Saturday against Texas. Yeah, yeah. I don't at this point. I don't see any reason why you would, why you would think anything else. So, uh, but but yeah, just just to wrap up the Bean stuff. Like, he's been good. He's been really good, but he hasn't necessarily been the guy to make that game breaking play to flip flip the flip the switch right. And at the end of the day, like with what KU did offensively and then production wise, 
They should have scored more than 28 points. Yeah, they really should have. I mean, if you hit the field goals, you're in the 30s, which that's going to give you a really good chance to win a lot of games. Um, You obviously had the... The interception you threw, which if you don't throw that, like maybe you you trend to getting points on that drive as well. Or just I think in that situation, it's just more about not allowing Texas Tech to get the points they get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a swing in both ways. It really is. Uh, but I mean, all that being said, like Jason Mean again played a strong enough game. Certainly wasn't the main reason or anything. Or uh, the Kansas lost in that game. How about that fourth down play call to to open things up? They're yeah. down seven nothing. They go for it at their own end, fourth and one, and the cojones to. Uh, like basically have it looked like they had like three guys going deep <laughs> on that play and to hit Jared Casey on that deep ball he was open too and man Jared also, Casey's so much fun listen I did not know Jared Casey had that speed in him I know I did not think he was going to be able to outrun the because, defense yeah it looked like like it looked like there were going to be guys that were going to at least make like, it close yes and they and he didn't just really get that close he just outran him yeah and you know Jared Casey he's a he's a big dude he's not really known for his speed right he's more of a He's been KU's, one of KU's best run blockers. Like, he's definitely not a, a a speedster out there, you know, just just burning people up. But man, he's got speed. That was very impressive. He's seriously one of the. I know it's it, things get localized in some way. We're talking about the team, and and that's the team if you're listening that that you're focusing on. But like, he is legitimately one of the greatest stories going right now in yeah, college. He's football. just a lot of fun. Well, and yeah. KU too. Like, I mean, KU has. Has to have, like, me, I I don't know. Again, like, I don't know the situation with with scholarship players and walk-ons of every team across the country. I don't. So this is going to definitely be hyperbole. But KU has to have one of the, like, greatest walk-on duos currently going in the country with Quentin Skinner and Jared yeah. Casey. Yeah. Like, the Quentin Skinner touchdown he had, I mean, that was a great yes. throw, too, to fit it in there. Um, but he made a great catch there, and he's been unbelievable this whole season. Jared Casey's a former walk-on, just like Quentin Skinner. The fact that you have gotten that much production and impact from those guys is remarkable. I don't know who it speaks to the most. If it's the development of this staff, if it was the past staff being able to find those guys, if it was a combination of both, if it's just on the players for improving so much, I think it's probably a little bit of everything. So Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, Quentin Skinner's been been phenomenal. And obviously, you know, Jared Casey, it is a great story, right? I think, I think after the the two point conversion against Texas, it it was like, okay, he's just going to be the Applebee's guy and like whatever, right? But then to follow that up with what he's been able to do this season for KU, like to follow that up with being an elite run blocker, being a, this 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 guy with incredibly soft hands that can make really tough possession catches, like it, he's totally expanded his game, which is just incredible to see it, and it's it's awesome, like you said. Yeah, and again, like springing big plays on some of those Devin Neal runs uh, with his blocking ability. It'd be awesome if he had another big game against Texas and had an expanded role this time around than last year than just kind of the one two-point conversion and a couple maybe snaps on the field in in other directions. Um, If he just, you know, if he gets a touchdown against Texas, that's going to be one of the loudest (laughs) that Memorial Stadium will be this season. It's going to be awesome. So I really hope They'll go crazy for it. And imagine, like, that would just be a total rip your heart out moment for Texas. Just oh, like. absolutely. It'd be like PTSD, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, it's certainly sure. interesting to me though from the offensive side that there's been times that this season, and we saw it a couple times in the Texas Tech game, where Kansas is maybe in a third and long, and it seems like they play conservatively on that down. And again, I don't know like to get behind the idea of why, like for the first field goal before they missed it. 
they ran like a, a option play or, or something on third down, and I believe it was 12. And I don't even think they got any yards, and then they missed the field goal. But it was the idea of well, what's the goal there? Are you just trying to make the field goal easier? Which I guess on one hand would matter because your field goal kicker is really struggled. So I guess that makes sense. But also, shouldn't you, when you have a struggling kicker, be attempting everything in your power to get the first down? But there's another part of me that wonders, when you see them run a, I guess, quote-unquote conservative play on a third and long, is the idea they're going for to actually be like, hey, we're hoping to get six or seven here so we can go for it on fourth down. I guess that's something we'll never know. Like, if Kansas would have picked up five or six yards on that play, maybe they do go for it on fourth down. Yeah, and actually, Kansas, they were pretty efficient on third downs in the game, six of 13. Like, that's... That's actually a little bit below their average for the season, but still, That'll I think get it most done, yeah. teams would really, really take 6 of 13 on, on third down, right? So, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think the thought process maybe earlier in the season when you were considering like the TCU game, the Oklahoma game, was like maybe there wasn't a total trust in what Jason Bean could do on a third down and long, but like he's been your starter now for a month. Like, you know, and, and honestly, Jason Bean's been at his best just, throwing it down the field, right? Like, that's when he's made some of his best plays. So it, it is a bit surprising. And I'll, and also on top of that, like, maybe another question would be, well, can we pass protect? Yes, we can. Yes. <laughs> so we don't need to be we don't need to be overly concerned about a guy dropping back for a long throw, right? So it, it is it is curious. And, and, yeah, you wonder how much of it is, let's just set ourselves up for a shorter fourth down attempt. But then... We've seen Kansas not go for it on short fourth down attempts throughout the season, so uh, I, I don't know. And and I think in this game against Texas Tech, like the the idea behind all that throughout the season has been: if you're Kansas, you're the underdog, you're probably the less talented team. So if it's fourth down, you need to be aggressive, right? Well, that wasn't the case against Texas Tech, right? They they were at worst very equally matched. Mm-hmm. Right, so I don't know if that idea kind of goes out the window as well, but but yeah, it, it is curious, and you wonder what kind of different thought processes go in into those various decisions. And, and obviously, I, I think it's easy to look at fourth down situations and third down situations as a black and white thing when they really are not. Like each one is kind of unique in terms of well, what's the score? What how, what's the time? Where are you out on the field? Every this, that, and the other. So it's it's all not the same, right? Which I think makes it tough to kind of blanket say, well, why isn't KU more aggressive? Or, or why are they, you know, whatever, right? So I don't know. It, it is curious, but I, I would hope that they, it, especially if Jalen comes back, I would hope that they have maybe a little bit more trust in, in going forward in some of those types of situations. Yeah. Uh, we got to see Ethan Vasco. Thought he looked good, but small sample size with – uh, just one drive and everything. Offensive line, I thought, played really well again. Obviously, you give up the the big strip sack at the end there, which um, who knows if that's on the quarterback or on the line in that situation. But Earl Bostic was amazing in the game Yeah, uh, for you as the tackle. And I know Tyree Wilson got injured uh, along the way of the game. and uh, But his that, name was hardly called. I was going to say, yeah, even before he got injured, like, he wasn't really making it. No, play. he wasn't making like a, a huge impact destroying the game or anything. So tip of the cap to Kansas because that was definitely something we talked about before the game of don't let him wreck the game. Yeah, and obviously the offensive line, I think I mentioned this last week and I'll say it again, the offensive line I think has maybe been the best unit on this team all season. Certainly the most certainly the most consistent. I think that's 
pretty easy to say at this mm-hmm. point. And I think maybe, as, like I said, you could go as far as saying they're the best. They've been the they've been the best unit on this team week in and week out. And that's kind of one of the calling cards of being a good team is when your line play on on both sides, but certainly on the offensive line. I mean, if that's one of your stronger units, you're probably gonna have a chance to be pretty successful. And that's certainly been the case for KU this season, right? Like I think the offensive line play has directly correlated to so much of their success. I was thinking about this earlier today. I wonder how many players on the KU offense are going to get all-conference nods. Usually in a given year for KU over the past decade when they haven't been very good, it's like they maybe get somebody on like the the first or second team, and then they maybe get like a two or three kids who are like honorable mention. This year you might get that just on offense alone. So like I think – if we're looking at that, you're gonna, I think you're gonna is there a chance a, that Jalen Daniels and Jason Bean both get like honorable mention picks? I don't think so. No, just because the that's the issue. That's what I was gonna say. That's the issue you're gonna run into. I think. Yeah. I think you won't get you won't get Jalen Daniels or Jason Bean on there. Unless, I think one unless, of them though. I don't. Or think if they so, kind of no. unless Jalen unless Jalen comes back and just the last goes off for the last two games, and somebody could view it as I know he doesn't have it for the full season, but I'll vote him yeah, second. I don't team think either one of them. Impact. Yeah, I don't think either one of them. Yeah, the other issue not. you run into is I don't know that Devin Neal was going to make it either. I mean, he, he might be on my mention, but he just doesn't have the stats compared to like Bijan Robinson or Deuce Vaughn. Yeah, that's that's the problem. So uh, Bijan is definitely going to be first team. I would imagine Deuce Vaughn as well. But like the question I have, and I don't know the answer to this, I'm going to go back and look. Is I thought they had multiple running backs on the first team. Yeah, they okay. do. Okay, so they put two running backs on each. So then he he could. So be I agree. Second. I don't think he'll be first team, but I do think with the Terry's had to finish the season, he'll be second team. But I mean, like Mike Nowitzki. First, I think Mike Nowitzki will be first or second first team. team. So that's Earl two Bostic? right there. Earl Bostic. I don't think Maybe. he'll be first team, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's like honorable mention. I think one of the tight ends is probably going to be on there. Mason I would Fairchild, imagine. Yeah. Jared Casey. I think you could make an guys. argument that. One of them gets second team, and one of them gets like honorable mention. Even I mean, or Mason something. Fairchild has been phenomenal. He's been putting up big numbers, right? And for Jared Casey, like the knock against that is that you can't quantify run blocking, obviously, mm-hmm. <laughs> like on a stat sheet. But he's been great, certainly yeah. as well. And then I think with with Lawrence Arnold, if he's to have two big games to finish, he has over 500 yards right now. You're probably looking at him to get to like 700, and then you earn like an honorable mention. Yeah. Like yeah. Kwame Lasseter was, I think, honorable mention. He had like 700 last year. Okay, yeah. So I don't think he it gets get you on the one of the. But that, I mean, that's what. But, yeah, you're looking at Arnold's. You're looking at two on the offensive Bostic, line, but Davinsky, Nowitzki, uh, and then a, child, a tight end, Casey, Devin Neal. Devin Neal. So I mean, that's six four, right there. Five, yeah, five, I think four or five. Probably. And again, that's not even putting a quarterback on there, which you could argue has been as good as anybody in the conference. It's just that they've had to split time because of the injury. So like. That's pretty yeah. remarkable that you could have that many for this Kansas team after in years past, like maybe they're getting two or three in total for the team. All right, this is Rock Chuck Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. We'll get to our defensive notebook later in the week. We have some audio to get to you next on the show. Uh, but before we go to break here, if you're looking for a spot to host a social or corporate gathering, check you, check out Venue 1235, located right off I-70 and five minutes from downtown Lawrence. Venue 1235 is a large climate-controlled event space with, with a catering kitchen, private suite, and a covered patio. KU Audio, next. This is RCST.